How can real estate and a unique entertainment product combine into a qualified opportunity zone business to deliver long-lasting social impact and job creation? Find out next. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Most of the first wave of Opportunity Zone funds were focused purely on real estate, but we're beginning to see more and more business funds get in the mix now. Joining me on the podcast today is Todd Perlmutter and Seth Dunlap from Hotbed Entertainment Group, and their OZ fund concept mixes real estate with live immersive entertainment in a unique way, leveraging Opportunity Zones to help them open up a new capital channel. Todd joins us from his office in New York City, and Seth joins us from his office in New Orleans. Todd and Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. To get us started, why don't you tell my listeners and me about uh, Hotbed Entertainment Group? It's, as I said in the intro, it's a unique entertainment concept. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? What, what, are, you, what are you guys doing in the immersive music space exactly? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, actually, it's a full hospitality and entertainment concept where there's a, uh, there's a restaurant, a cafe, and a bar and a music venue, and we have an anchor piece of immersive music entertainment. Um, my history and uh, a couple of my partners is at, at Blue Man Group. I worked there for 19 years, which was a great training ground for long-lasting entertainment concepts. And uh, we came up with this uh, a, new, a new concept, which is really, really based on um, being close to music, as opposed to sitting in a seat and seeing uh, music happen on a stage, there's a big separation with the PA and everything. This is a, a more intimate uh, concept where you sit on the piano stool with the piano player and you walk amongst the musicians performing. And, uh, and that's only, uh, you know, that's just one piece of the, of the, of the business model. But it's uh, the thing that we think will, will, will gather the most attention and, and bring the most people through the doors. Good. So you mentioned you had some experience at Blue Man Group. What, what were some of the uh, mistakes you saw from Blue Man Group or, or some of the missed opportunities maybe would be a, a better way of posing the question that, that, that you're kind of rectifying with, with this new venture? Well, one of the, probably the, the biggest one is that uh, we'll take the New York Blue Man show, for instance. I mean, Blue Man was very successful and it was an amazing place to work for a long period of time. And I, and, I don't. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that, um, you know, intense and amazing creative experience. Of course. Um, but one of the things that w- that we noticed was in the New York show, for instance, there's this extremely prime piece of real estate, and the business used it for about three hours a day. And uh, our business model, we plan to use the real estate for uh, at least twelve hours a day. So you know, using the space for private events, using the space as a restaurant and a bar. And uh, I think a key part of it was at Blue Man, people would come to the show and they would get so wound up and have this amazing experience and then want to talk to their friends about it and like hang out and, and have, you know, and, and be more, uh, you know, have more of a, of a time with the experience. And, uh, you know, Blue Man, we just closed the doors and set people out to go to some other place. And our plan in this business is 
we have a facility that you can stay. You can stay after and have a bite. You can stay after and have a drink. You can stay after and see more live entertainment and and keep the experience going. So it's a it's a you know we I mean Blue Man did great, but we're our plan is a little more of a multiple revenue streams and and a place where you can stay for longer than just the show. Come before the show, stay after the show, and just and be able to. Uh, have people come and not just see the show. If they've seen the show, they could see it again, or they could not. They could just go to the restaurant or just see the music afterwards. Right. That sounds pretty neat. So p- paint paint the picture for me a little bit more. If I'm if if I've got a ticket to your show, what time am I getting there, and 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 what am I doing, and which which rooms am I walking through, and then how late am I staying after the 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 performance is is over, essentially. Yeah, of course. Well, the, well, there's a lot of options, which is uh, which is nice. So you don't always have to do the same thing. Um, but there's a but there's you can come early and have a drink. You can come early and have uh, and have food. The, there's a the the ticketed event, um, which you know the, the restaurant and the bar is open to the public at all times. The ticketed event happens behind the the uh, uh, the restaurant um, and. And there's also some entertainment in the bar that's you know that's open to uh, open to the public as well. So you get your you know you could come early and meet your friends and you could have a drink or you can eat. And then if you when you go to the ticketed event, the show experience is a multi-room um, uh, experience where you you uh, the perform there's performers that interact with you and you walked amongst different size rooms with different kinds of music playing in them. And, um, and the, I think it's, uh, it's that experience of being really, really close to the music. There's one room that only 10 people can fit in. And it's that moment where you're so close to a performer that you get the goosebumps. You can really, you know, you can see the sweat on the cheek and you can really feel the power of the music. And there's another room that's, that's uh, where you're, you're kind of with a, a big brass band and you dance with the band and you kind of are part of the experience of playing, you know, playing in, in that environment. And, uh, and throughout the show, um, other kind of variety performances happen and you're taken on a journey. Um, and we did a test of the, of the show. We did a workshop of the show for some audiences just to make sure it worked. And it was a huge success. I mean, I think that we, you know, we had this idea and we wanted to test it out. We tested it out and it was kind of just far better than any of our expectations. Um, and that's actually what led us to, to moving on. Some, uh, uh, in fact, meeting Seth and Rosa came about because someone who had come to our, randomly had come to one of our, our test shows, uh, told a friend, was blown away, told a friend who uh, was the person that introduced us to Seth and Rosa. Oh, that's great. That sounds like a uh, a really neat, immersive experience. Uh, back up for a second here. I want to, uh, I'll bring Seth in first to answer this question. I want to get um, your background stories. Uh, how, how did you two get involved in this? And basically, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about your past. Well, I'll, t- I'll say how we met. So we had this, uh, me and two of my partners, uh, you know, who both, uh, both of my other partners, uh, Jenny and Colin, uh, worked at Blue Man as well. Jenny was an executive producer and the uh, VP of creative development. And she was around kind of during the expansion of Blue Man from two shows to kind of a global phenomenon that it became. And, uh, you know, she was very, a very key part of that. And 
uh, Colin uh, was the GM of the the New York show and in charge of the the uh, creative development uh, artistic team. And uh, and this actually show concept was his original idea. Um, and so we, we, you know, we kind of basically uh, post Blue Man decided to put, you know, the A team together, all the best people that we worked with, work on this show and uh, and sort of follow, you know, in Blue Man was such a great training ground. We, just, we sort of wanted to follow on the path. And the our original idea was to open one show and then uh, wait 12 to 18 months, open another, well, 12 to 18 months and open another very similar to Blue Man. And uh, what happened was we met Seth and Rosa in, uh, in New Orleans, and uh, they were really interested in the concept. We became very, very, uh, 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 you know, pretty good friends through this, uh, our original tenant-landlord relationship. So before the Opportunity Zone program, before we knew about it, we were going into uh, just a regular tenant-landlord Thing. We were going to be raising money locally in New Orleans and and uh, putting our show up there. And while that was happening, we uh, found out through one of our, our uh, investors that the building was in an opportunity zone. And upon doing some a little bit of, uh, of research, we had looked in other cities too, Denver and Philly, and it turned out that every place we were looking at was in an opportunity zone. We needed a big space. We needed to Oh, and and our you know and our business plan was kind of an ideal fit for the program. We needed a big space. We wanted to do a full build out. It uh, was a destination oriented business. It didn't have to be downtown. There was a social impact. We were delivering 100 150 jobs per location, and um, you know and the real estate side was going to be adaptive reuse or or historic preservation. So we were like, oh, this is a this is a kind of a perfect fit. Uh, we we so what we did was we decided to change our business plan to instead of just the standard tenant landlord relationship we partnered with Seth and Rosa uh, to take care of the uh, uh, to be our partners on the finance and real estate side and we opened our opportunity zone fund the Omni Impact Opportunity Fund and uh, we decided to open up you know we could we could still layer our openings and utilize the plan with uh, multiple cities. And uh, that's how we got to Seth and Rosa. No, that's great. That's good. It's good to get that background on, on how you guys all came together and, and kind of how you got into the OZ space too. Um, I want to hear from Seth. Let's bring you on now, Seth, if you could tell me a little bit about, uh, about your background and, and how you got involved. And uh, if you could just tell me a little bit about your career story, I guess, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Todd touched on a little bit, um, you know, like, I guess the way that um, these things tend to, to unfold um, was, was pretty natural and pretty, pretty organic um, in meeting uh, Jenny and Colin kind of through a couple degrees of separation. Um, but, you know, my, as, as Todd mentioned, my wife and I um, were originally kind of landlord tenant um, relationship with them. But we, we came we came about a kind of a little bit different path. Uh, my wife and I are from the Midwest, and and we work kind of in the corporate world, if you will, um, for many years, um, in kind of different capacities. And and I worked for a number of different money managers um, out of Chicago and in New York, and so had some background in kind of um, fund um, structure, fund distribution, raising capital for for um, investable assets, if you will, investment products. Um, we kind of naturally just gravitated over the years down to New Orleans based on. 
you know, really our, our kind of more family history, I guess, than, than anything. Um, we've always been interested in kind of the historic preservation and, and adaptive reuse process with historic real estate. And, um, you know, both of our parents were involved or, you know, my parents and, and, and Rose's parents were involved in it in some way, shape or form over the years. And so we kind of grew up around the historic preservation process. And it was something that was a passion for us and that, that, that kind of had driven us, um, you know, all along the way to, to leave, you know, our, our old world, if you will, the, the corporate world and, and really pursue our passion of getting into these types of projects. And so when we first met um, Todd, Colin and Jenny, um, we were immediately attracted to the concept um, for a number of different reasons. Um, one, we thought it was innovative. We thought it was creative. The amount of talent and, and, um, and experience in the space um, with you know, them really growing up through the Blue Man Group um, concept and program. Um, but we just thought it was a very interesting way to approach um, entertainment, live entertainment. Um, but really living in New Orleans, it resonated with us um, to, to a very um, kind of high degree and, and from a very personal personal way, just um, seeing the types of impact that it, that it would create for um, you know, the local uh, musician arts, performing arts, food and beverage community. Um, we we were really very just intrigued by the we thought that the opportunity if if you will um provide for these types of of talented individuals which new orleans is is rich with them um and we saw a path um and a lot like todd and maybe todd will touch on a little bit as this conversation goes on but we, we saw a path here through this concept to really bring something unique um, creative, um, innovative to our neighborhood. Um, we live in the neighborhood in which the, the facility that we're talking about um, also also is positioned. And um, we saw something really special that, that we could bring to the city, um, not to just offer a great product and entertainment value, but also just start to build infrastructure, um, some sort of professional career path for musicians and artists here in the city, which, um, you know, is always a challenge. And, and you know, New Orleans is a very interesting, interesting city. And just like many other cities, it has its challenges. Um, and so it was really um, a combination of, of that kind of innovation, but also just the, the structural impact it would have on the job uh, market for musicians and artists here in the city. And so all that lined up very well. And, you know, as Todd mentioned, you know, I think our backgrounds, um, the mix of all of our backgrounds really came together and offered nice compliments um, when we were creating a fund that would house both, um, you know, the real estate and the operating business. You know, we all have experience that, that leads us to be able to be successful in this structure. And so as we step back at it, you know, and, and went through the process and step back and look at the structure um, that, that we would need to participate in the opportunity zone space um it just really became kind of the natural next step um we all we all kind of had some abilities that would that would move this forward and i think um you know we all thought about this space in in the in, in the like-minded way that it kind of served the true intention program which is having a long-lasting social impact but um creating jobs but also you know a, an interesting investment opportunity for investors looking to participate in the space yeah no that's great and and speaking of that you know, long-lasting social impact and and job creation. I want to get back to Todd now. Todd, when we spoke uh, on the phone a couple of weeks ago, you were you were starting to tell me a little bit about your uh, your personal pay-it-forward story, as you referred to it. I, I think our listeners would be interested to learn more about your personal story. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was a, um, a rock musician living in Boston in the early '90s, which uh, meant that I was oftentimes uh, broke or homeless. 
or maybe actually all the time broke and occasionally homeless. I think that's that's probably more exact. And uh, you know, not for lack of talent. I you know I was pretty good, uh, but um, you know it's a tough it's a tough business. So I um, uh, and I had, was in a band that was signed, and and uh, you know I had I had some opportunities, but they just didn't last. I got the job at Blue Man Group, and uh, up until that time, I was literally if I got a check, I was cashing it at the bar, and uh, I got the job at Blue Man Group, and. I opened a bank account for the first time. That's pretty ground zero. Um, but then I got a 401k and I got health insurance. And most importantly um, to me, I mean, the, the job changed my life for sure. But uh, most importantly was I was offered a, a, a career path and stability. And it was, um, I mean, I had sort of accepted that, I, you know, being a musician might just make me a vagrant also, but, uh, but this job, I was a musician playing in a show and, and playing with a lot of other talented musicians and performers. And, and I had a career path. I, I, uh, I eventually moved on from just being a musician to being, uh, I produced their first record and I became music director and a music supervisor. And then the uh, the bulk of my career there, I was a, a creative director working on material for the show, and uh, you know basically being an executive at the at the company, and I, that you know I mean for sure it changed my life, but um, in such a drastic way that uh, um, I feel that it is uh, or it's definitely like a passion of mine to be able to deliver that kind of opportunity to other musicians in these other cities. And, uh, I mean, New Orleans in particular, it's, uh, it's the, uh, the musicians are, are such a huge part of the, the fabric of the culture of that city. And it is, uh, still challenging to, to live there, be a musician and have a stable job. A lot of musicians there have to go on tour to, to make some money. And I think that this opportunity will, uh, you know, be a great thing for a bunch of those musicians. And, um, and I, you know, I would feel really great about being able to, to, to pass that on as Blue Man was so gracious to do for me. No, that's incredible. That's, that's, that's a neat story and, and how it's influenced your strategy going forward with, with setting up this new business and, and the Omni Impact Opportunity Fund. Uh, we talked a little bit about the business model and and how you guys got into the OZ space already, but I want to focus now on on the Omni Impact Opportunity Fund specifically. What what is the fund strategy exactly? And and maybe you can talk about which sites you have identified so far and and what your hopes for the fund are. Yeah, I can I can touch on that. Um, yeah, so the Omni Impact Opportunity Fund again, just um, the fund structure that we felt. Uh, made sense to kind of capture everything that we were doing with this project, um, you know, and when we stopped and looked back at it, um, we just thought it was pretty powerful to to be able to put together a fund where you can have the operating business, um, which, you know, we believe in in this program that the operating business is, you know, offers the most amount of kind of open-ended growth opportunity, if you will, um, you know, based on just the the benefits of the program and and looking out 10, 12, 15 years um, from a long-term investment standpoint, but, you know, coupling that with owning the real estate inside the fund, um, just offers a really, you know, a multi-asset kind of multi-revenue stream diversified fund, um, that allows us to, to really 
and to have a little bit of, of investable um, uh, assets, uh, you know, really for anybody in the space. And so um, looking at it from that standpoint, we thought just made the largest amount of impact and allowed us to kind of step back and have our longest term vision for what we were trying to create here. And so um, coupling those two things together, um, I think is unique. And, you know, early on in this program, um, you know, naturally people kind of gravitate to their expertise and it's been mostly really driven, um, but we've been very encouraged by the conversations around the operating business and the potential for operating businesses inside of this space, not only just from an investment standpoint, but also from the kind of the sustainable jobs, um, job creation standpoint. So, you know, when you look at it, when we look at our fund, um, we feel that we're kind of checking all the boxes um, from not just an investable product, but also from the impact that we're creating. And so, um, you know, owning the real estate and, and, and identifying markets where this concept will fit and where there's a demand, there's also, you know, a talent pool to, to load in a business like this that is driven by the talent and is only as good as the talent um, that is hired. Um, you know, we look at this that we're, we're kind of covering all the boxes. And so we're looking at markets and we're looking at real estate. Um, we're looking to adapt um, existing real estate in, in, in each of these markets. And, and a lot of them, the, the, the property that we have under control or under contract right now is very historically significant, architecturally significant um, to the neighborhood, to the state, in some, some cases, even on the national history. And so um, that's also property that's been out of use. And so it hasn't been open to the community for, you know, years and some, some cases, decades. And so to come in and, and to identify a historic structure and to look at it in a way that's just max and best use, meaning, you know, tear it down, build, build, you know, whatever the density that it allows for but more story and think about how can we create some sort of reuse for it that opens it up to the community that will create sustainable jobs. And so we have kind of two different stages of this fund. We've, you know, we're purchasing the real estate. Um, we're doing the, you know, the capital the improvements um, and, and, and building um, out the buildings for the, for the reuse for this concept. So we're kind of creating jobs in that first phase, that real estate phase, the development phase, um, which, which most projects are in, in the OZ space right now. Um, but really the long-term sustainable jobs comes after we've done the real estate project. And that's when we're able to load in the business. And that's when we're able to create anywhere from about 100 to 150 jobs in, in each market. And those are the jobs um, based on the success and the talent of the, of the people and the team that, that will be hiring and loading in. Those are the jobs that will be sustainable for, we think, long after the benefits of this program have rolled off, long after that 10-year mark where, you know, investors are now qualified for, um, you know, the elimination of gains on their original, original capital gain investment. And so we just think it's a, just kind of an all-encompassing fund. Um, it's, it's diversified. There's multiple assets. Um, with this real estate, there's also multiple revenue streams. So with a lot of real estate that we have identified, you know, we're the anchor tenant, the, the, the hotbed entertainment group, um, the, the show, the bar, the restaurant, the, you know, the venue. You know, that's the anchor tenant in this real estate. But in most cases, there's other real estate development opportunities. So other revenue streams for this real estate as well, which just further diversifies the fund, um, but also gives us the opportunity to kind of lead by example, hopefully, and start to attract other like-minded um, individuals or concepts that want to kind of build on this creative community, this, this um, you know, this, this infrastructure, the support that we're building in these communities by loading in a destination entertainment business that is, that is employing our musicians and food and beverage people. So, you know, you have kind of multi- 
asset, you have multi-revenue streams with the real estate, um, with our, with our concept being the anchor tenant, you know, it's not just the ticket sales, the show, as Todd mentioned, I think we've touched on, you know, there's, there's bar, restaurant, there's other, um, community and, 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 um, events and types of programmings that will go on. So the ticket sales are really a small portion for about 30 to 35% of the actual revenue stream. So, so we've really built in some multiple revenue streams here from the real estate to the operating business. And we feel that, you know, we can, we can entice others to come and grow with us around us. And I think that's where really, really where you get the long lasting impact. And so right now we have a number of cities identified. Um, we have a few buildings. We're kind of looking at this into, in a couple of phases. Um, so right now we have um, some very interesting properties identified, obviously in New Orleans, we mentioned, but also two in Nevada and Reno and Las Vegas. Um, and then we have some other markets where we're exploring and have some, some conversations going on um, that could be potential for, for this type of concept as well. But um, right now we're focused kind of on these three markets, getting it off the ground, get the concept going and, and getting kind of capital raised to, to buy, the, buy the real estate, um, do the improvements and then load in the operating business. Yeah, that, that makes that makes sense. So New Orleans is kind of your starting base and and plans to expand to sites you've identified in Reno and in Las Vegas. And then you'll see how the concept takes off from there. And, and uh, the hope is to expand even further. Uh, no, that sounds great. Um, you mentioned that the real estate um, has a historical preservation component to it. Are you guys taking advantage of historic tax credits at all? Just just curious on that one. Um, we are where they qualify. Um, so, um, you know, we're, my, my wife and I are a little versed in that, in that area and we've done some projects in the past and, and, you know, kind of how we arrived at some of this property to begin with. Um, but yes, yeah, so we, you know, where it's available and, and, um, you know, like in, in Nevada, for instance, there's no, no state income tax. So, you know, there's some federal stuff available, but also some other types of programs that are going on in each of these states. And so it's been really, you know, from, from a standpoint, from a real estate um, perspective and historic preservation perspective, um, it's it's been really encouraging as we've gone out to some other states where you know maybe the historic tax credits aren't so prevalent based on their tax code and tax structure, um, but just the amount of incentives that that we've seen and in, in some high level conversations that we've had to this point on what's available for businesses like us u- using the Opportunity Zone program to have the most amount of, of impact and long lasting impact that we're successful because I think that. Um, you know, locals, the community, but also the local politicians, politicians and elected officials, you know, do see the target, um, uh, you know, the kind of the job, the workforce target that we have and, and the, 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 you know, necessity, if you will, um, to create jobs in this space to keep talent, you know, music, musicians and, and artists alike in their in the communities, <clears throat> excuse me, in the communities and in the neighborhood. But also doing that with, um, you know, a very significant or, or you know, um, recognizable piece of property. And so it's been very well received, even in the states that don't have um, the historic tax credits, if you will, that that they are um, thinking about this in kind of a dynamic way and, and how to um, really just um, be welcoming to this type of project to make sure that that these jobs are sustainable and remain there for for the long term. And so there's, there's plenty of benefits out there. Um, that's not really where we start. We always kind of look at that as icing on the cake, if you will. Um, but um, there's a lot of factors that go involved to make this successful in each state, each city, each market that we've been identified as different. Um, and there's, there's some markets, you know, that I think have been great in communicating and being conducive to kind of all types of projects, um, but certainly ones that, that are committed to kind of sustainable jobs over the long term. 
Sure. Yeah. And, and understood, you know, historic tax preservation, that is kind of the icing on the cake, the, the, the HTC credits you can get, but uh, yeah, any, anything you could do to uh, help out with uh, getting that capital stack in place is definitely a big help. Uh, I want to talk about uh, how the fund is structured. Can you, can you go into that a little bit and, and what's your exit strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we've thought about this quite a bit and, um, and Todd, Todd will, uh, you know, Todd will confirm we've had many, you know, conversations and a lot of them late night conversations on about the best way to do this. Um, and, you know, me coming from kind of the fun world and, and seeing and working for different money managers and helping raise money with different types of investment products. Um, you know, I, you know, I kind of, you know, had my opinion starting and Todd coming from the entertainment world and seeing those models and seeing kind of the, the Broadway model, if you will, um, take place in many different cases. Um, we had a lot of good debates and I think we, you know, at the end of the day, tried to keep it as simple as possible, simple for investors, um, to understand and, and to see a path to invest in, but also just simple, um, which in simple, I mean, leaving open the most amount of, of exit strategies that we can through our structure. And so inside the fund, as I mentioned, you know, we have the real estate owned on one side, if you will, um, kind of our real estate portfolios, real estate portfolio companies. And then on the other side, the operating business, um, the operating business paying rent to the real estate. Um, and then, you know, both of them paying cash flows back up to investors inside the, inside the fund. And so really what that does for us from an exit strategy, um, gives us lots of flexibility inside the fund while we're operating it over the next, you know, like I said, 10, 15 years looking, you know, looking forward to, to what that exit strategy would look like. Um, but it gives, it gives us a lot of flexibility on the back end. It keeps us in compliant with, you know, I think all the benefits of the program that investors will be interested in most notably, again, that 10 year mark of elimination of gains, um, on your initial, initial investment. Um, so we think that our exit strategy could go a number of ways. It could be, you know, sold as one entire portfolio, one entire fund to a large entertainment company, a large real estate company that invests in entertainment businesses um, or just likes the real estate. It could be sold individually as the real estate portfolio company and the operating business separately. And we can, we have it set up to we can even drill, drill down, you know, bar, market by market and peel off individual assets, you know, depending on where we are in the cycle, where, you know, capital dollars are looking to invest and kind of what our valuations will be at that point and how much success we've had at that point. So uh, we, we think it leaves the door open, um, gives us many paths for kind of the most lucrative um, exit strategy for investors while maintaining, you know, the integrity of the business um, and the concept to keep that concept in place and those jobs in place, you know, far past the exit strategy for investors. So a way to kind of restructure and keep things rolling. Sure. No, that's, that, that's smart, I think, especially for multi-asset funds. You know, the the exit strategy definitely needs to be carefully considered before before you structure the fund and get going here. I know we were waiting on IRS regs for a long time before we were able to make some of these decisions, right? Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the point too. And as we were having those debates, you know, more and more regs came out, and um, you know what we've decided with our professionals and our team, you know, our third party teams that we've you know, we've kind of contracted to help us figure this out on the accounting side and interpret it and interpret it from the, from the regulation side. Um, you know, there may or may not be more regulations. There may or may not be more guidance and there may, you know, may or may not be a clearer path on, on how, how you exit this. And so we just think having the most amount of flexibility on the, on the, you know, the upfront structure allows us um, the greatest opportunity for investors to exit. Um, again, um, you know, the main thing is, 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 is that we keep this concept rolling far after 10 years. And so the ability to, 
have investors be compensated, um, you know, exit if they like, but to keep the concept rolling is, is really important to us. Sure, sure. Your, your concept, the immersive live entertainment being the, the main tenant for a real estate uh, you know that that mix of of not only business and real estate, but it, it's it's a it's a unique business concept. The immersive live entertainment. It, there's really no comps for something like what you're doing. Is that has that been a challenge for you guys so far in in terms of putting together this fund and and raising capital or or where, what and what other challenges have you encountered in uh, in the OZ space so far? There are there are. Uh... It's not. There's a trend of immersive entertainment out there, but it's not, uh, as, you know, as widespread as, as some other things. But there's a, there's a business in New York called called uh, the McKittrick Hotel, which has a very similar model. It has uh, an anchor tenant immersive show called Sleep No More. It has two restaurants and a bar that's also an entertainment venue. It's been running for eight or nine years. It's something extremely successful. Um, but it's uh you know it's a little bit of an anomaly, um, so we yeah educating people on what it is is kind of the you know that's that's a little bit of a challenge because it is uh, somewhat new, but the you know the interesting thing about it is is that uh, I mean for you know after the experience at Blue Man which Blue Man is a very long running show, and you know one of the things that we learned from being there is that you know, we had the opportunity to change it and, and uh, make alterations. It's not like a play that has a writer and a director and that's it. You know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, this is our thing. We can change it and morph it and, and, uh, and, and ticket sale tickets are, uh, uh, you know, kind of a great thing to, to sell because you get seasonal trends and you can deal with those things in, in different ways and we have a lot of experience in that, um, but the the thing that we're, I'm, I uh, that we're trying to educate people on is that um, if you were to invest in a in a film or or a Broadway show, it's kind of a passion play. You believe in it, and uh, you know, and it, and it is somewhat of a of a gamble. But yet, if it's if it hits, it's a it's a huge upside, you know. But you could stand to lose all your money. Uh, you know, and so if you were going to invest in a in an entertainment uh, thing, then you would want to you know invest in something something like with a team like ours, which has a long history of long running entertainment. But the but one of the kind of the best parts about it is that it's really only a piece of the it's really just a piece of the puzzle that's getting people to the door. But this business also has the restaurant and the and the bar and the music venue, the other tenants. And the real estate, there's at no time is it a, a gamble like investing in a, you know, in a film or a Broadway show because you just have these amazing assets. And we, we spent a lot of time, you know, kind of making sure that the, that the real estate and these assets were fantastic and would have, you know, long lasting viability and be, you know, have, have worth. So that's, uh, I mean, that is, you know, that's, that's what we're doing right now is, is um, educating people on to why um, if they haven't invested in entertainment, that this is their, probably their best bet ever. Right. It's not a pure entertainment investment. It's not a pure real estate play and it's, it's not a pure business play. It's, it's a, it's a combination of, of all of those uh, assets. A, a lot of, a lot of stuff you have uh, to invest in when you, when you invest in 
in your fund. What types of investors are you looking for in that case? And and uh, and maybe you can get into how much you're looking to raise and and what the what some of the minimums are. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I think in, in just kind of touching on some of the things that that Todd mentioned, um, you know, it's you know maybe as a, a a certain type of investor that we're looking for. I think as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the natural gravitation early on in this program was was real estate investors. You know, you had a project that you were doing. Now it happens to be in an opportunity zone. Okay, I already already understand this. I can wrap my head around it. Um, so our education project process has really been kind of what Todd mentioned of. Of, of why we think it's beneficial to have all of these in the same fund. And so, um, you know, we're looking for investors that, you know, one, obviously have active capital gains to invest in, a, in, a, in an OZ fund, um, but also that that are really committed to um, not only just a great investment opportunity, but to the true intentions of this program, which is long lasting social and community impact. And so that's really, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, that's that was our starting point and, and Todd's personal experience um, that kind of arrived at this project. And so to be able to overlay the OZ an OZ fund with this, um, we, we want to stay true to kind of those intentions, which is attracting like-minded investors um, that see the benefit of both a great investment opportunity, um, but really kind of um, seeing to the end or, or bringing to fruition, you know, the true intentions of the program, which is job creation and community development, capital flow to these communities. Um, so we want we want a patient investor, we want a, an investor. Um, that that sees the benefits of the diversification of a multi-asset fund, um, but we also want an investor that that really um, can be invested alongside with us for that long-lasting social impact. Um, and I think you know, as our conversations have gone on, you know, it's been it's been very well received. And I think, as we mentioned again, as regulations have been uh, our guidance has been rolled out, um, you know, I think the the capital is starting to catch up with the opportunities that are being offered in this space. Um, and, and people are identifying um, more the, the upside or the, the, the potential for, for um, exponential returns in, in the operating business. And so um, we want an investor that, that recognizes that the operating business is, is just as, if not more lucrative than, than the actual real estate. The real estate we look at as kind of a stabilizing factor. Um, it's unique, it's historic, it's architecturally significant, and, it's in, and it'd be interesting in any type of portfolio. Um, but but all that combined is what offers the full um, investment experience and, and investor um, return, if you will. Um, so someone that's for the long haul that that sees the benefits of both, um, and and that's just really excited to have this type of, of of product in their portfolio. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense to me. I I, I say on the show pretty frequently that, in my opinion, the best use case for opportunities zone investing is business invest investing. That's where you're going to get those. 10x or 100x returns potentially. I mean, of course, you could also lose all of your money, right? Uh, but uh, you know, re- real estate's only going to get you so far in terms of in terms of appreciation and uh, and capital gain, right? Uh, did- and, oh, sorry, and, and I think that's you know, I think that's a good point, and and that was and that was kind of where our debate washed out over the last six eight months is that um, you know, coupling these together. Um, gives you that great amount of upside, but offers uh, but offers that kind of stability and backdrop backdrop of hard assets in the real estate. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think Todd touched on it briefly. Um, you know, the concept is is you know is a concept, and you know, this team is so talented and so created with their experience um, that we can really adapt and adjust in any market. They have many different many different ideas of different types of shows and concepts that can come down the pipeline over the next five, ten, or fifteen years. But at the end of the day, and 
you know, just to be quite frank and real about it, um, you know, we are owning the asset We're we're, uh, we are restoring it and we're applying really kind of a gray, ba- gray box adaptive reuse in it. And we're building kind of a set inside of it, if, if you will. And so, you know, all things being equal, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's real estate that is gray boxed um, and, you know, has potential, like I said, other types of tenants or other types of secondary, uh, second generation leases and things. So the real estate will always be there. And I think that's just what se- separates us maybe from some just funds that are just the operating business. Sure. If, if any of our listeners are interested in getting in touch with you, uh, where, where can they go more to learn more about you and, and the Omni Impact Opportunity Fund and Hotbed? Yeah, um, so you can email uh, info at hotbedentertainmentgroup.com or either one of us, Todd or Seth, at hotbedmusichall.com, not to make it too confusing. Um, And the website is is hotbedentertainmentgroup.com as well. Um, So we're happy to have any conversations um, to get more into the details and and more what kind of the structure and and, um, kind of models look like. Um, But yeah, info at hotbedentertainmentgroup.com is the best way to reach us. Great. And for our listeners, I'll have show notes for this episode on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you'll find links to all of the resources that Todd and Seth and I discussed on today's show. And I'll, I'll be sure to link those email addresses and those websites that Seth just mentioned as well. Uh, well, Todd and Seth, this has been great. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate your time and, uh, and best of luck to you guys in uh, raising capital and, and getting some of these projects uh, underway. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.